just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. Welcome back to the Rational Boomer Podcast. We're plowing through another week, a busy week. Got a lot of things to talk about. Now, this podcast is quickly becoming a daily podcast. I had a lot of people say, do it every day. To be honest with you, it's not hard for me to do it every day because there's always new information coming out. It's good for me because I get to stay on top of things and then impart them to you and hopefully do you some good about staying on top of things that are going on in this country. Because I think information is the most crucial thing any of us can have. And I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. Talk about the media and how some of the information we get isn't always the best information, isn't always accurate information. But that's for later in the show. Now, some of the things we've been hearing about the last week or so is about all this information that's come out about the planning events and war room events leading up to the January 6th insurrection. Of course, we heard that there are two organizers of the insurrection that are talking to the House Select Committee, who tells us about dozens of planning meetings between them, members of Congress, and staff members from the White House sounds pretty ominous. We know what happened January 6th, so we've got to believe that what they were planning was exactly what happened. I think they probably planned for it to be successful, but nonetheless, they made the attempt, and uh, it is one of the most egregious attempts of insurrection in this country, on the U.S. Capitol. So, (laughs) It's, it's worthy of looking into, certainly. And that's what the House Select Committee is doing. They're doing an investigation. And then we hear from the Washington Post that there was another series of meetings. These were a war room, so to speak. They were in the Willard Hotel right near the White House. They had people like Rudy Giuliani, uh, Steve Bannon, and this lawyer, John Eastman. He is a Trump lawyer. Now, he's a special kind of evil guy, and it's kind of an interesting story with him. Now, he is the one that created the plan to overturn the election for Mike Pence to go in and not certify the election. He had two memos he sent out, and he was part of this war room group that uh, did a number of meetings. I understand they've the meetings or the series of meetings cost like $55,000. One person tells me that it's not paid yet, may never get paid if Donald Trump's involved. And then some other people have said that it was paid with campaign funds from Donald Trump, which makes it even worse because, well, frankly, that's illegal. But that's all beside the point. Now John Eastman is under the microscope He was the guy telling everybody, yep, we can flip this election. Mike Pence has the power. He's one of the guys that put the pressure on Mike Pence. Well, recently, when he was asked, like last Friday, asked about this memo that he wrote, two memos, actually. He said, ah, yeah, no, that's that's crazy. That's not even viable. That could never happen. Yeah, but uh, you wrote it. 
You sold it to the president. You were trying to sell it to Mike Pence, and you did sell it to everybody else around Donald Trump. They believed you. You're a lawyer. You wrote the memos. Yeah, no, it's not real. It's not real. He's seeing that he's in trouble. He's in big trouble. But it's funny, the next day, uh, some undercover reporter got an audio recording of him bragging about this idea and how it is viable. So it's impossible to know where his head is at about this. Um, Clearly he's evil. Clearly he's criminal. Clearly he's corrupt. And clearly he's anti-democratic. He wanted to undermine the government. And he wanted to help uh, Trump and Pence and all the other Republicans to do it. He says it's a crazy idea, and clearly it was a crazy idea because it didn't fucking work. I don't know what his deal is, but he got a little bad news today because Benny Thompson, chairman of the Select House Committee, has announced that, oh yeah, John Eastman, lawyer John Eastman, will be subpoenaed to testify in front of the House Select Committee. Yeah, he's not going to like that too much because they're not going to go too easy on him. He seems to flit around back and forth that, oh, no, this is crazy. When he said these memos were crazy and unviable, it reminded me of Sidney Powell and some of the other people that were talking to Dominion. And their defense was, oh, yeah, I said that, but nobody would ever believe that. (laughs) That's kind of what John Eastman, the tack he's taking. I don't know when lawyers decided this was a good idea or a good strategy, but it doesn't seem to me that it's something that's going to work. How can it work? You said it. You did it. Just because you say it's crazy now doesn't mean you didn't make the attempt, and the attempt to overthrow this government is illegal in its own right. You don't get a free pass just because you weren't successful. He should know this. But maybe he knows he's got no real other choices, no other options. So he's just throwing shit against the wall, hoping against hope that somebody will buy into it or feel sorry for him. And I'm sorry, I don't feel sorry for him. Nobody should feel sorry for him. What he was trying to do to this country is unforgivable, inexcusable, and he needs to be punished for it. He's more than likely going to be disbarred. But uh, he needs to do some jail time, too. If there's no accountability for what happened on January 6th, we've got problems because there'll be other people that try to do it. Now, there is some other information that came out in addition to all those meeting situations. We are now hearing that uh, at least five staff members from the Trump administration have voluntarily testified or going to testify in front of the House Select Committee. They're saying, yeah, fuck it, I'll just go talk to him. You don't even have to subpoena me. We're going, we're talking. Now, that's an interesting turn of events. Everybody seems to want to stonewall whoever worked with Donald Trump. But these folks are taking a different tack. They're saying, oh, yeah, I'll tell you everything. Now, why is that? Well, I'll tell you why that is, at least partially why that is. You remember how they subpoenaed Steve Bannon, and he didn't show up, said he wouldn't show up. They said, we'll charge you with uh, criminal contempt. 
And he said, I don't care. So that's what they've done. They voted through the House to refer it to the DOJ. And now we're waiting for Merrick Garland and the DOJ and the U.S. attorney to decide whether to send it to the grand jury to decide if there's going to be a prosecution. Now, we're not sure what's going on with Steve Bannon or what Merrick Garland is going to do, but the real reason they did that to Steve Bannon wasn't because they were so worried about Steve Bannon. They did it because they wanted to set an example, show these people that, yeah, in fact, you're going to the DOJ and you may very well be tried for criminal contempt and may end up a year in jail in prison because of it. It wasn't so much for Steve Bannon's uh, benefit or detriment. It was to give a message to these other people, these lower-level people that maybe don't have as much money or as much platform. It scares them, and then they'll just voluntarily testify. Well, clearly that's happening. Clearly that strategy has worked, and more and more people are coming to testify. From what I've heard from Benny Thompson, there have been dozens of people who have testified already. Of course, we're hearing about the war room meetings. We're hearing about the planning meetings. We know the House Select Committee knows all of that stuff, but they know a lot more than that, too. Now they've got five staffers from the Trump administration giving up information. This doesn't spell good news for Donald Trump, the administration, or the Republicans for that matter. So this is good. This is very good, and we'll see what happens with these investigations. At some point, we need to know what's going on. We need to know if some of these people are going to be referred to the DOJ for whatever crimes they committed so they can investigate it and ultimately decide whether they're going to prosecute. But the ball is rolling. People are getting scared. People are talking. Honestly, I thought this would happen long ago. But now the dominoes are starting to fall and people are getting nervous and they're going to save themselves as opposed to save dipshit diaper Donnie who's not going to do anything for them. So finally, we'll get some movement in terms of the insurrection and we'll probably see some indictments. We'll probably see some uh, prosecutions. As I said, John Eastman, the lawyer who planned the whole coup, he will be subpoenaed by the House Select Committee. Donald Trump isn't safe. He could be subpoenaed. Of course, he'll go through the court process and all this stuff, but he probably will be subpoenaed. He should be. He's the focal guy in this situation. He's the guy that ran the whole show, was part of uh, planning it, and also part of inciting it. So it seems unlikely that they won't subpoena him. Whether they'll get him to speak under oath, I don't know. I think ultimately they will. It's just a matter of how long it will take to get that done. So we will see. I wanted to bring something else up, too. (laughs) This is kind of a funny thing. Um... Kristen Cinema, We know her as the problem child amongst the Democrats in the Senate, the one pushing back against the, uh, the Build Back Better reconciliation bill. 
This woman is a fucking weirdo. When she first came into office, I remember seeing her on the House floor, or the Senate floor, I'm sorry. And she was dressed, she looked like Marilyn Monroe. She had one of those flouncy dresses, the platinum blonde hair, and she was bouncing around like she was a fashion model, which she is not. But that's how she was acting. Now, on the other spectrum of this situation with her, today she was presiding over the U.S. Senate. (laughs) She had a black T-shirt on and a denim vest. You know, the denim vest you saw the guys wear in junior high school and high school. They were usually the burnouts, the ones that were in trouble, that had a legal record and didn't go to class. Their favorite class was, I don't know, metals or woods. That's the kind of thing she had on today. Now, I don't begrudge people for what, how they dress, but there is a certain amount of decorum in the U.S. Senate that should be followed. And she's basically thumbing her nose at the norms at the uh, typical expectations of how a senator should be presented. She looked like an idiot presiding over the Senate in a denim vest. I don't know what she was trying to portray there. I don't know what she was trying to say. But, (laughs) interesting nonetheless. Now, the one good news about Kristen Sinema, and Joe Manchin for that matter, There's been a big discussion when it comes to this reconciliation bill. How are you going to pay for it? Now, Joe Biden and the Democrats have all along said uh, they're only going to tax people making over $400,000 a year, making the rich and the corporations pay taxes because they're finding ways to get around it, finding loopholes to not pay taxes. And, of course, both these clowns were against it because that's where they get all their money from these rich corporations and rich individuals that stuff money by the handful in their pockets to get special favors. Favors they give to these people and they deny the people they represent in Virginia or in Arizona in Cinema's case. They're despicable people, but they're not the only ones in the Senate. There's a lot of those people, and there's some Democrats, as well as Cinema and Manchin, that are probably doing the very same thing. Certainly, plenty of Republicans that do this. This is a disease that runs through all of our politicians in America. Pay attention to the people with the money. Disregard the people that voted you in. That's a problem we need to fix, but that's for another day. But here's the interesting thing. The fight is then if we can't tax the rich, how are we going to get the money to pay for the um, the bill, the uh, reconciliation bill? started out at $3.5 trillion. It now might be somewhere between $1.75 and $2 trillion. Still a lot of money. But how are you going to pay for that? We know the Democrats want the rich to pay for it, and I think everybody else in this country does, in spite of the fact that Republicans and Manchin and Sinema seem to be against it. Well, now there's a new thing happening, and I talked about it in the last program. It's about this kind of wealth tax. And the way they described it yesterday is a little different than the way they're describing it now. But it makes sense, especially if it works. The way this tax will work 
is a, a minimum of 15% tax on corporations profiting over a billion dollars a year. Now, there's a number of these places, and that's a lot of money. And if they made a billion, they probably made 50 billion or 100 billion. So this really comes into play in being a lot of money to help pay for this reconciliation bill. I'm all for it. Anytime corporations can pay actual taxes as opposed to avoiding it, like Jeff Bezos and Amazon, I'm in. The funny thing is, Christian Cinema and Joe Manchin both to be, both seem to be in on this deal. They like it. How does that make any sense? Prior to this, they wanted to tax the rich, people above $400,000 and up into the billionaires and corporations. Didn't like that. But now they want essentially a wealth tax, 15% minimum of all corporations profiting more than a billion dollars. They're cool with that. I don't know, get them to sign on the line because they might change their mind, but if that's what it takes to get the reconciliation bill passed and everybody's on board with taxing billionaire companies, why the fuck not? That's got to happen. It's going to happen, it looks like. Now, Christian Cinema says she's all the way on board. Joe Manchin hasn't said he's on board, but he hasn't said he's not on board, which usually means he's on board. One of the things you have to understand, one of the reasons why they draw this out and make demands and negotiate and do all this stuff, because while that's happening, all these PACs and corporations are sticking money in their pocket so that they vote their way. So by delaying it a week or two, that's just more money they collect. And if you think that's not happening, you'd be mistaken. That's exactly what's happening. And these people are just trying to shill more money for themselves. And to me, that's fucking appalling. Now, the fact of the matter is, if they're going to tax billionaires, that's all good. But I'm sure Cinema and Manchin are looking at this and saying, well, this won't affect most of my people that I need to keep happy. These are huge companies like Amazon or Microsoft or whatever. These are the companies that are making billions and billions and billions of dollars profit-wise that are going to have to pay the bill. And granted, they should pay the bill. It's ridiculous that Jeff Bezos and Amazon don't pay any taxes. I don't give a shit about loopholes. They shouldn't be um, free from paying any taxes. They're generating a lot of cash, a lot of money. And they're generating it off people like us. Anytime you have a business that makes a profit, you pay taxes. If I open a business today and I make a profit, I'm paying taxes on it. So there's no reason in the world that a billion-dollar business shouldn't pay taxes. Fact is, they should pay more taxes because of the things they expect and need out of the government. They're just as much a consumer of the government as we are, so they should have to pay for that. I mean, we pay taxes for police and fire departments and all these different things and security and for the uh, protection of this country to the Defense Department. We already pay them way too much money, three times the closest people to us, and they're all 
They're all allies, so it doesn't make any sense that we keep adding billions and billions of dollars to our defense fund. But if we're going to do that, these people, these big companies, should be kicking in their part. They should be paying some taxes. So now it looks like that in this reconciliation bill that Manchin and Cinema are okay with the wealth tax. <laughs> Go figure. Now this could all change. It could get delayed. But the pressure here is that on Thursday morning, Joe Biden is leaving to uh, a climate summit. And he needs to show them something when he goes there. Well, we're doing this, so you should do that. And he'll sell that idea. And that would be the best of all worlds if he could do that. Well, Thursday morning is coming quickly. And whether they'll be able to put this together or not that quickly, I don't know. I I can't see how they would. Maybe, as I mentioned in the previous podcast, they'll come up with a framework that they've agreed upon, so at least he can bring that. But it's still too hard to tell. Are they willing to let the president look embarrassed when he goes to this climate summit, or are they going to try to get something put together that he can take with him? My guess is they'll come up with something however preliminary it is, but they'll come up with something before he leaves on Thursday morning. But that's coming up quick, very quick. All right, we'll take a quick break, and we will be back shortly. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. All right, one bit of quick news. We're hearing now that uh, we're getting closer Uh, to Pfizer having a vaccination for children between 5 and 12 years old. It still has to go to the the CDC and the FDA to get approval, but it looks like it's on track to get it. And I think this is a pretty important thing. For somebody like me who already is vaccinated, I'm fine. I'm not worried about me, but I'm worried about my grandchildren. I have one grandchild that's nine who could get the shot, and one child that's uh, 18 months today, as a matter of fact, she won't get the shot. But the more people around her that have the shots, the better. And as much as people are afraid of the vaccine for whatever reason, I'm here to tell you, on Monday night, my wife and I are going up to the drugstore, And we are going to get our booster shots, the Moderna booster shots. I have no reticence about getting these shots. I got the first two, didn't have one side effect. I was fine. And a lot of uh, peace of mind as far as me being exposed to COVID-19 or the Delta variant. So we're going to get our our, uh, booster shots, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm also looking forward to these kids getting their vaccinations. These are the people that are truly the innocent parties in this. These are the kids that couldn't get vaccines but could potentially be exposed to those uh, COVID-19 or Delta variant viruses. And uh, 
they have an easier time with the virus in most cases, but there have been many kids, like 8,500, 9,000 kids that have been put into a ICU. Yeah, we don't need to see that. They haven't done anything wrong to anybody, and we need to keep our kids safe. For me, that's the most important thing. All the adults, if they want to get vaccinations, great. If they don't, fucking too bad. I hope you get it. But we don't want our kids getting it from these idiots that are making poor choices. So that's something to look forward to. Hopefully in the next few weeks we'll get it all okayed and there will be a vaccination for kids 5 to 12 years old. We'll see what happens with that. All right. Now there's a governor's race in Virginia. And all the media is getting all excited about it. Terry McAuliffe, a former governor, is running for the Democratic Party. Glenn Youngkin is running for the Republican Party. Now, over the last several years, Glenn Youngkin has been Donald Trump's acolyte. His buddy, he backed him all the way. And in fact, Donald Trump has endorsed him like five, six times. I don't know why, but that's what he's done. But the funny thing with Youngkin now, he's getting nervous about being tied too closely to Trump because Trump is a fucking criminal, corrupt mess. They had some uh, fundraiser where Donald Trump was at. But funny, (laughs) Glenn Youngkin didn't show. Every time they try to attach Glenn Youngkin to Donald Trump, he kind of brushes it off. I mean, he's in this position where he... Yeah, I believe in Donald Trump, but I don't want to stand next to him. That's an interesting thing. And he's continuing to push that point of view. I like Donald Trump, just don't want to get near him. He stinks. <laughs> now, the problem with this this governor's race, it seems like it's a dead heat. We got McAuliffe on the Democratic side, Yunkin on the Republican side, And it is a veritable dead heat. Now, of course, all the media channels and some of the Democrats are all worked up about this. They are calling this governor's race a bellwether. I love that word. Which basically is going to give them some insight of what we can expect to see in 2022 if the Republicans win. Oh, the Democrats are in trouble. But if the Democrats win, things will get better. These are bullshit stories that people bring up and and spew just to cause drama and uh, just to cause drama, frankly, because that's what the media does. We're going to talk about that in a second. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see how this governor's race uh, ends up. It's next week, so it's coming quickly. We know that McAuliffe is a little nervous because uh, Joe Biden's Poll numbers are down a little bit. He's afraid that's going to affect him. Whether it will or not, I don't know. I think Don, I think Joe Biden won Virginia by like 10 points. So that should work in his favor. But this governor's race is thought to be a big deciding point on what's going to happen in the future in 2022 and 2024. And frankly, that's a bunch of bullshit. Things change day to day. Even if Glenn Youngkin wins that governor's race, 
between now and 2022, so much shit is going to happen that that's not really a good indicator in my mind as to what's going to happen in 2022. The media would like you to get excited about it, but I say, don't worry about it. First of all, I think McAuliffe will win because he's got experience and all the stuff that's going on with the Republicans. They're doing everything they can to attach him to Donald Trump. Assuming they do that, that should make it easier for McAuliffe. But it brings me to the next topic. This is a topic I've talked about a lot over time. I did a TikTok about it, and um, it's worth talking about again. It's about the media and the problem we have in the media. We don't have any journalism in this country anymore. And when I talk about journalism, I look back to Walter Cronkite uh, and people of that ilk. These are people who came on to the TV or on the radio or in the newspaper, gave you the facts of what was going on, and then allowed you to make your own choice as to what you thought. Well, that's not happening anymore. And a lot of people will think I'm talking about Fox News, OAN, and Newsmax. And yes, I am. The thing with those alleged organizations, they will tell you anything. They will lie to you, even if it's the detriment of the country or the to the detriment of your own health with the COVID-19 hoax deal. These people are just bad people. They're not even really news sources. But you have to beware, too, of the alleged left-leaning media, too, or the mainstream media, if you will. I'm talking about the CNNs and the MSNBCs and some of these other left-leaning media. The fact that they're left-leaning at all or say they're left-leaning just kind of disputes the whole idea of journalism. Because as I said, with journalism, it's supposed to be impartial. Just the facts, ma'am, and then you make the choice. But instead, with CNN and MSNBC and some of these, that's not what they do. There's a slant to everything they do. And over and above the slant to the left, which I'm for because I'm more left-leaning in this situation, but over and above that, they take it a step further. If you're watching MSNBC, CNN, or some of the others like them, They're going to make you believe that the sky is falling, like with the situation with the McAuliffe-Yunkin governor's race in Virginia. Oh, everything terrible is happening. Joe Biden's in. His poll numbers are down. Um, They're going to lose Virginia in the governor's race. 2022 is pretty much cooked for the Republicans. 2024, Donald Trump will be back. Let's be perfectly honest with you. All of that is bullshit. There is no base in fact to support any of that. Because all of these organizations, left and right leaning, aren't in the business of informing you or helping this country or doing any good at all. Their one job, their one focus is to make money. And the way they make money is by getting ratings. And they get ratings when they cause drama, concern, excitement, happiness, terror. And that's what they do. They fought like hell to get Joe Biden in, in office and get the Democrats in control. And now that they do, they're they're trying to put it out there that, boy, 
It doesn't look good for the Democrats. They're in trouble. But there's no reason to say that yet. We're too far off of 2022 and certainly too far off of 2024. Their estimations don't make any sense, and they don't take into account all the things that are going on now. First, Joe Biden gets the infrastructure bills passed, the reconciliation bill passed. That changes everything in terms of his perception by the public. His poll numbers will go very high. Stock market will go very high. That changes the perspective of everything on 2022, especially with all the negativity coming out on the Republicans between now and 2022. But they can't make any money off that because they aren't sparking any fear or concern. They need that drama in order to get you to keep watching, keep being concerned, and interacting so they they can continue to make money. What I'm saying here is there's only a couple of places you can go for true journalism right now. One of them is the BBC, and they're in fucking England. But they're a true journalistic source. They give you the information. You make your choices. Unfortunately, most people in this country don't watch or listen to the BBC. There is one other that's in this country, and that is PBS, the public radio or public television. They are feeding truly journalistic information where you get to make the choice as opposed to them trying to sell you on whatever it is they want to sell you. But again, PBS isn't as highly as watched as, say, Fox or MSNBC and uh, CNN. So what we do have now is a lot of uninformed people, which is a bad thing when it comes to elections. If you don't know exactly what's going on, if you don't know all the facts, your choices, your decisions are flawed, and they don't tell you everything. I mean, one of the reasons I do this podcast, one of the reasons I do TikToks is I try to break these stories down. I watch MSNBC. I watch CNN. I don't watch Fox because it's a waste, but I watch and read a lot of different sources. But even still, I don't believe them. I don't believe the story. If a story interests me and I think it's important, then I will go deeper. I will dig into the Internet. I will find documents. I will find actual bills or actual quotes from people. And then at that point, decide what that story really means, as opposed to trying to scare you or to get you to listen more to the Rational Boomer podcast, I'm going to give you the information that's true and factual to the best of my ability. Yes, I have a slant to my podcast, but I'm not a newsman. But I'm also not a Democrat or a Republican. At this point, I slide toward the Democrats because we've got real problems with the Republicans and we need to vanquish them. Now, when the Democrats get in full control, should that happen, I'm going to be watching very closely with them, too. I've had some negative things to say about the Democrats. I will have more without question. This isn't about Democrats versus Republicans. This is those fucks against us. Right now, the Democrats are looking to help us with this reconciliation bill and this bipartisan infrastructure bill. So I support them. But I ride the bandwagon. I'm only caring about those people who want to help us. 
I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I'm an American. And until you help Americans, you don't get my support. At this point, the Democrats seem to be helping the Americans. Certainly a lot more than the Republicans, so I'm going to support them. The problem is, is when you watch the media, read the Internet, listen to radio stations, you don't get all the facts. You only get the facts they want you to hear to cause the reaction they want. They want you to be scared. They want you to be happy. They want you to be mad. They want you to be willing to fight. Because then every day you're going to sit down in front of your television and watch the horrors the next day. There's a lot of positive things happening right now. We've come a long way from the Trump administration. Things are much better in many ways. And it bodes well for the Democrats come 2022 and certainly 2024. And uh, we need to know that too. I get a lot of people who listen to my TikToks and say, you know what, I listen to your TikToks and uh, it makes me feel better. It makes me realize all is not lost. Now, it's not because I'm trying to sell anything. I'm giving you the whole story. When you watch CNN or MSNBC or Fox or OAN, they're going to tell you what's going to get you excited and upset. That's part of the reason we don't know all the facts when it comes to the reconciliation bill. If everybody knew what that reconciliation bill did, it would be a no-brainer. There's no reason not to do it. But unfortunately, the Democratic Party and our media has done a shitty job telling everybody what it's about. That's why it's important to dig down deep, read the document, and then make a decision as opposed to just hearing that, Oh, it's $3.5 trillion. That's a lot of money. Uh, it is a lot of money, but it's not a lot of money for our government to invest back in us. It's actually a small amount of money for them to invest back into us. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that all shakes out. Last thing I want to talk about is something we haven't talked about for a while. Seems kind of weird. And that is Mike the Pillow Guy Lindell. Yeah, that fucking clown. Well, he's in the news, but what he's doing is such a lower level to all this other stuff that's going on. You don't hear about him as much, but you need to know a few things. He's still ranting and raving and going on um, far-right media, trying to sell his stuff. Now, the thing about it is, he comes from the very state I come from. In fact, his... Business is probably 10 miles away from me. Now, I don't deal with his business. I thought he was a clown from the beginning. All you have to do is listen to him talk, and you know this guy is a crazy, is a fucking idiot, and anybody that follows him or believes him is a fool. And it's starting to shake out and prove that that is the case. Now, Mike Lindell was uh, a big part of, and I don't know how really, of uh, pushing Idaho to do an audit of their election. I think they voted for Trump. I don't know. But Mike Lindell decided he was going to use his clout with his connection to Donald Trump and somehow pushed this audit. Well, now, Idaho, what they did, (laughs) they did the audit, 
and it was a fucking bust. It was a joke. It was ridiculous. And now Idaho is saying, Jesus Christ, this was stupid. We paid a lot of money for it. So now the state of Idaho is suing Mike Lindell for the money they spent. Good job, Mike. Way to go. You need another lawsuit. And let's talk about lawsuits. Of course, we know the lawsuit Dominion has against Mike Lindell to the tune of $1.2 billion. Now, Mike just said something that was kind of interesting, kind of surprising, actually. I would think Mike Lindell, knowing he's going to lose that case, would be in there trying to negotiate something, trying to get some mercy. But no, that's not what he's doing. In fact, he said, I haven't even officially answered that lawsuit. Well, that's kind of weird. Because if you don't answer the lawsuit, don't show up to the court or the hearing, you lose by default. Now, Mike, you're on the hook for $1.2 billion. Now, I know you've got some money or had some money anyway because of this big company that you own, but I know you don't have $1.2 billion. You've told us on TV how you're struggling financially and how much this whole mess has cost you up to now. So you decide not to show up or answer this lawsuit and just lose it by default? I don't even know if you can file bankruptcy to get out of it, but it's just stupid. Now, you would think somebody who has a lot of evidence, who could shake up the world with that evidence, would be happy to show up at that lawsuit and answer the lawsuit. In fact, he said as much. He said, oh, I can't wait to get there and show them all the, all the evidence. They'll laugh Dominion out of court. But instead, he's not reacting. He's not responding. And it sounds like he's not going to show. Well, Mike, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a judge. I don't know much about court. But I think technically speaking, based on the strategy you're using with Dominion, I can tell you this. You are fucked. You are fucked big time. I mean, you're fucked even if you do go to court, but at least you might have some ability to negotiate something out or get some mercy. But by not answering and not showing up, you're fucking cooked. $1.2 billion, you lose by default. That is just absolutely stupid. Now, the final thing I want to mention about Mike Lindell. You probably forgot about this, but a month, month and a half ago, he was running around telling everybody, oh yeah, Donald Trump will be back in office before Thanksgiving. We'll take it to the Supreme Court and it will be 9-0. They'll eject Biden from the White House and put Donald Trump in, which is absolutely ridiculous. There is no legal or lawful way to get that done. It can't be done. You might as well live with it. Joe Biden is your president. If you want to change it, 2024, you have your option. But right now, you're not getting Donald Trump back into office and Joe Biden out of office. But he's he's convinced that come Thanksgiving or just before Thanksgiving, that this big play will come into action. Donald Trump will be back in the office and the Supreme Court will vote 9-0 to zero to Make the change. Well, here's the funny thing. Have you heard anything about it? Usually there's some ramp-up time to get to the Supreme Court. Or, I mean, you can't just walk it over to the Supreme Court. you got to th- go through some other court channels to get it up to the Supreme Court. Then they have to decide to even hear it. And if they hear it, it takes a while to hear it. 
But here's the problem. Thanksgiving is a month away. But you've heard nothing about this. I can't believe that Mike Lindell isn't frustrated by now. Everything he's ever said, everything he's done has never come to fruition. He hasn't been right once. He's along the lines of QAnon, always wrong, but people still believe in him. That just shows how much stupidity there is in this country. And that's a little frightening, frankly. But Mike Lundell, you might see his face pop up more because we're getting closer to his deadline. He's had a couple other deadlines that uh, nothing happened. He had the uh, little summit thing he did where all this evidence was going to come out and prove he's a genius. Nothing happened. Now we're waiting to just before Thanksgiving when the big switch between Biden and Trump happens. Not going to happen. There is no basis for this to happen. There is no legal channel to allow it to happen. It's not going to happen. And once again, Mike Lindell will fail. So this hasn't really been a great week (laughs) or a great couple of weeks for Mike Lindell. Idaho's suing him. He's not answering Dominion. He's cooked there with a default uh, decision there, probably. And now he's betting that Trump will be back in office before Thanksgiving, and that's not going to happen. Anyway, we're going to wrap things up here for the Rational Boomer podcast. want to remind you, questions, comments, complaints, whatever, you can send me an email directly at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Or you can go to anchor.fm, look for Rational Boomer Podcast, and you can leave me a voicemail message. Always anxious to hear from you. So you have a great rest of the week. We will be talking to you very shortly. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.